this is a special announcement. We are doing a special webinar on September 4th. We'll try and get it done in a couple hours in a cram school type of format where we go over the infinite banking policy. A lot of you guys had a lot of questions and we're going to be unveiling the new free banking e-course. If you guys come to that, you guys can get free access to that. More details, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking. And again, that's on September 4th. We're going to be starting around 9 a.m. and going to 11 a.m. Pacific time. The next announcement, uh, September 18th, there's going to be a tech seminar put on by Anderson. September 24th, we're going to be doing a little get-together in Houston, Texas. We're going to be trying to do another get-together in quarter four in Northern Cal and Southern Cal. Full members, the Family Office Honda Mastermind members get first access to that as we're trying to keep it small, more intimate. If you guys want to learn more about joining the exclusive inner circle, go to schoolpassacastle.com slash journey. And if you guys want any more details on these cool new events coming up, go to simplepassacastle.com slash events and check out all the future events we have coming. We'll see you guys on Saturday 4th, early in the morning. We'll teach you guys all about infinite banking. Now, for some of these events, you're going to need to access past the member site. Go and sign up at simplepassacastle.com slash club and sign up for a free account there. There's a lot of things I can't really put up there on the internet, on the public site. We try and restrict and get all the good stuff in that member portal. What are you waiting for? Sign up. Announcing my new book coming out next month. If you guys want to help me out with a review, uh, I'd like to get you an advanced copy and the audiobook. Shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. And I appreciate you guys helping me find the book when it comes out. That's probably the only way I'll probably make my parents proud of me by having an Amazon bestseller. Because after all, they still wonder what I do these days. If I'm not an engineer, they think I'm like a real estate agent or something. Help me make my parents proud. And thanks for supporting. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. We're going to be going over the infinite banking scheme that you guys have been hearing about profusely from a lot of podcasts out there. They get like an insurance salesman. They talk about how the wealthy do this. I personally do this. I started with a $50,000 a year policy back in 2017, 18, and now I have a bigger one. And a lot of people in the family office group are using these policies. We want to give, this is a primer, really quick presentation. These are the slides we're going to be going through today. This is going to be a little bit of a high level, 20 something slides. If you guys want to go through the accompaniment on the simplepassivecashflow.com slash bank, you guys can read through this here as we go through this presentation. But we're going to be doing a special couple hours cram school. We're going to be going through this a lot more in detail on September 4th. If you guys are somehow watching this video after that date, all these videos will be posted at simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking, or it will be put into the e-course. Um, a much more in-depth and curated course where you guys can go through and learn about this stuff. But let's get into it. If you guys haven't met me before, my name is Lane Kaoka. I run simplepassacashflow.com. Here's my bio. The other person helping me present today is Tyler Furukawa. Uh, you want to introduce yourself real quick, Tyler? Sure. Hi, I'm Tyler Furukawa. I'm currently residing in Honolulu, Hawaii. I grew up in Hilo, went to University of Washington, got my degree in metallurgical engineering, and then I was an active duty Navy officer for about eight and a half years, transferred out to the civil service where I was a project 
project engineer, construction manager, uh, eventually first line supervisor, and then the chief engineer, um, ending up in 2001, retiring from there. And as far as from my real estate uh, experience, I've been investing in real estate since 2002, where I bought my first single family home in Jacksonville, Florida. I did house hacking then. Didn't know that term, but that's basically what I was doing. Bought a few more over the next few years. Got overwhelmed, stopped, married with kids, and put investing on hold until 2018 or so when I met Lane with online with Simple Passive Cashflow. And ever since been dove deep into syndications. Currently have about 24 active syndications going on and enjoy that. And that's what allowed me to basically retire. As far as for my insurance experience, I got my first policy about three years ago. I looked at trying to get understand how that works. So I got licensed and then eventually started actually writing policies. And I'm currently licensed in many states across the United States. So Tyler, he is an investor first, and this whole discussion on this infinite banking concept that we're going to call simple passive cash flow banking here in the future, I mean, a lot of it is stemming from how do we use this liquidity in these insurance policies to do what we do, which is totally different than what most life insurance salesmen uh, create and customize this stuff for. Those guys just don't get it. They don't understand how the wealthy use this, these policies, basically it's whole life insurance overfunded, but configured in the right way with lower fee structure, just making it better for the investor to use for their investing purposes. But yeah, so where this all came from, I asked Tyler a long time ago, Hey, if you're interested in this stuff, go get a license and then cut the fees down for me and my friends. And he went and spent what, a couple of years learning. That's what you get when you get an engineer to do this stuff. They actually read everything. But let's start off here. I think a lot of people, they go online, they look up whole life, infinite banking, and everything that comes up is, it's a scam, right? Dave Ramsey will ab- absolutely talk really badly about it. But I think the difference here is we're not configuring this like how most people do, where they're configuring it for high death payout and high interest rate. We're doing the complete opposite. We're configuring it for higher liquidity instead so that we can take the money and invest it in higher producing assets such as real estate or if you guys still want to do your stocks and mutual funds, you can still do that. So we're taking the traditional finance method and turning it around. This is typically how normal people do it. They put it in the bank, it deflates in value with inflation and inflation is running rampant and that kind of makes it even more case to do this. Tyler, why don't you talk to us about some of this life insurance works? I think that the main point here is that, yeah, if you, you search online, you may hear from some financial advisors that a whole life is a bad investment. Don't do it. If it, it's just that it's not structured correctly, the ultra wealthy or wealthy or even banks, they own tons and tons of life insurance. And the reason for that is a safe, secure asset and it's liquid. So this slide was just basically showing that banks own and hold a lot of assets of their assets in bank-owned life insurance. It's basically life insurance that is owned by the banks is called BOLI. But yeah, if you look at any large bank on their asset sheets, they have tons of life insurance. So the thing is, they like the pros. This is what they do. And effectively, what we're doing here is getting rid of that middleman. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. 
I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net growth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively the fund and investors like you pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. This is the, the loose framework and we're trying to bank from ourselves. And that term, it sounds cool, right? Like instead of using a bank, that the bank is able to leverage our money and go invest. We're doing this on our own working directly with the insurance company, which by the way, to me, is a lot more secure than any bank, FDIC insured bank out there. Um, Insurance companies are some of the largest companies that have the longest track record. When you have a contract with an insurance company, it is very secure. Like a lot of you guys jump into these apartment buildings and you guys know we never buy A-class assets, A-class locations because the returns just aren't there. A lot of times the insurance companies are the ones buying those large class A assets in the class A areas because they are going after capital preservation. A lot of times their cap rates are anywhere from 2 to 3%, but they don't care because they want to just preserve and they don't need to make that high rate of return. They're in the game of just being secure with people's money. But not every life insurance uh, carrier is weighted the same. Tyler, I want you, I think everybody has a little bit different definition of what infinite banking is. Depending on the way people understand things, different things resonate with different folks, but why don't you take a first crack at what this is sure. for someone who's never heard of it. I best define infinite banking is it's really a process in creating private vault for you to use as your bank. And overall, it's a process. The vehicle that it uses is whole life insurance and it's dividend paying whole life insurance is the product of choice um, that I specifically like from uh, multiple reasons that we'll go over. But that policy then is you overfund it. And in that way, it it has a cash value that you can access your cash at any time via policy loans. That's the overall concept. And as you pull that out, the money still continues to work in your vault or in in your account, and you're able to deploy that elsewhere and pretty much have your money work in two places at once. The way I personally use it, when I had a policy, when I first started to do $50,000 a year, after a couple of years, two, three years, I had at least $100,000 of cash value built up in there. And I always try and keep my liquidity low in my bank. You never want to have too much cash making nothing. That's why the, the next money is in your infinite banking policy, that cash value where it's making a nice little tax-free yield. That's the first component of why we like infinite banking so much. When the money is in, I would call this a government loophole, but it's just for some strange reason, when it's 
life insurance, your yields there are tax-free. That's a place to store my liquidity. And then when I need to go into a deal or two and I need to drain that liquidity, I have it. But at least it's not sitting in my normal checking account, savings account, not doing anything. The guaranteed growth, the use of whole life insurance, it has a guaranteed aspect of it. Current gross rate of that is you know, 4%. That is about to change, but it, the policies are ranging from 3, 3, 3% to 3.5%. Uncorrelated, not tied to the stock market directly. On some policies, you may have the choice and you can be in control of that, of how much funds are correlated. But one of the main benefits for investors is that this is not correlated to the stock market. Protection, but is a product. So there is a life a death benefit portion of it. But in addition to that, in states, it varies, but there's also some liability and bankruptcy protection with the cash value or the death benefit of your policy. So some of our doctor clients, what they like to do is they stuff a lot of cash in here, mainly for this protection aspect, right? There's all these different asset protection strategies out there. There's not one that's going to get you You're trying to build your castle with multiple layers of protection and diversifying. So by putting some money into your life insurance policy, you're shooting at one part of your portfolio, your network. Yeah. And liquidity, that's one of the main appeals for investors where your funds are not tied up, you have access to that and it, you would have access to it in the forms of policy loans. And that's what keeps it also tax-free where you have access to the growth and of your policy. I think a lot of us, myself included, my wife, Tyler's wife, we all got swindled at some point in our early 20s, maybe early 30s, where a long lost college classmate or high school classmate calls us up for lunch and trying to stuff us into one of these badly customized whole life policies. Typically, the way that they're structuring it, it's not built with good liquidity customization. You can see this is a lever here. There's, if you were to imagine, there's different ways you can customize these different components. A lot of these guys, they will ratchet up like the growth rate, but that's not the point, right? The point is we can get much more better returns outside of these policies. So this is why it's counterintuitive to a lot of these life insurance agents who just aren't real estate investors. And we're just glazing over the top a lot of this stuff. A lot of this is in that info page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash bank. You guys can get access to the e-course for free there. And then we'll be doing that cram school later on where we get to go into this in more depth and ask these particular questions. I can summarize. The purpose of this is basically really emphasize that it's really the design of the policy that is the most important factor. You could have the same product at the same insurance company and they would perform much differently. And that's all based on the design. Yeah. And this is the classic, hey, let me just shoot. Lane an email, ask him who the CPA lawyer he's using, or, you know, are you guys going to Mass Mutual, Penn, whatever, like top AAA rated uh, life insurance company, and let me just go work with them. Whether you work with them or us, like everything is the same except the, the design. And that's the critical part of what we're talking about here. I, I can cover this also. There's you know, two main factors of the policy design. The two things you must maintain, so to keep it an insurance product, which then reaps the tax benefits of it and the tax treatment, you need to meet some IRS limit. So there is some limits in there and people may hear the modified endowment contract or the seven pay limit that keeps it an insurance product. 
where it'll be tax favored and along with the design maximizing the, the cash value so that you have the liquidity early to go use and do investments as you choose. And those are the two main levers in the design that you're playing around with. And way back, long before there was simple passive cash flow, a lot of smart people figured out that within life insurance, you could have your yields and there grow tax-free. And of course, there's always people out there that get a little greedy. So that's where the government started to put these limits in there that you have to have a certain amount of actual life insurance, you know, get a dollar of life insurance, but stuff a gazillion dollars in there and still make it tax free. And people did it, which is smart, actually, there's limits to it today. And this is what we'll go into more detail in the e-course and then in the cram school. Yeah. And just that IRS limit that's based on, you know, the insured's age, gender, and the amount of death benefit there is. We're designing it a specific way to minimize fees, the death benefit is needed there in order to be able to max fund it to your targeted amount that you want. And one common question that comes up here, some people who think that they're older in their 50s, 60s, and they think that this is going to be more expensive. And then guys are typically a little bit more expensive than females for some strange reason. Really, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Like we've compared policies from 30-year-olds and 55-year-old, the cost of the insurance really doesn't matter. And why is that? Again, we're not really doing this for the debt payout. Again, we're just we're doing this just to call it life insurance at the bare minimum so that we can have this policy grow tax-free to be able to stuff cash into it. And that's, I think, where a lot of people, they miss the boat on this. This is, yes, this is, there is a debt payout for it. It is life insurance, but that's not the purpose. And that is why the age and the gender and people also say, Hey, can we insure my kids? We'll talk about all about that type of stuff in the e-course in the webinar. This it doesn't really factor too much into the cost of this. And the, the second main limit, other than the IRS limit when designing that we have to be careful of is just the individual policy limit. Each individual company has some limits and specifically one of the main ones that they're starting to limit is the amount of paid up additions one can put in. So each company has different limits. For example, one company may have, you can put up five times the base premium or 10 times the base premium. We just have to design it accordingly for that specific company. And that's where, you know, the flexibility comes into play that helps decide which company is best suited for you. This is when I was learning this stuff. This stuff gets to be really complicated and it changes all the time. When I was just learning about this, I thought it was pretty simple. This is something that I learned and realized you need to have somebody that's under the umbrella of our group, kind of be on the lookout for all these changes coming down the pipeline to keep us out of trouble, but also optimize getting the best policy for our situation. Where does your payments go? So every year there's a premium payment. There's two main places that your your money goes. One is to the base premium. So that's basically to cover the costs of the insurance. That base premium is specifically what we want to drive down as low as possible because that is a pure expense to you as a client. That paid up additions, that's really a cash dump. Very little fees on that. You almost see one for one cash value increase on any paid up additions that you you contribute. There's different premium splits. Some people may hear 50-50, uh, 30, 70, 10, 90. Traditional whole life, normally you may have seen in the past, that's really a 100% base premium. That's why it takes 15 to 16 years maybe for you to break even on your cash value for the amount of premiums you paid. 
And we're able to modify that so that you're breaking even sometimes years between years three and four, five usually at the latest. And that's the use of this premium splits, which also introduces a lot of flexibility that you may have throughout the year. Most accredited investors over a million dollars net worth, they'll probably do a policy where they dump a hundred grand in here, add another couple zeros onto that. And again, what the way we're trying to do it is we're trying to minimize the amount of base premium so the paid up additions can build up our cash value so that we can take this out the next day as a policy loan and stick it into a multitude of different deals that make a much higher yield. And sort of the industry secret of life insurance is if you're a sales and you're just worried about your commissions, you try and trick your clients into getting as much base premium the more life insurance, but that's the complete opposite that what we're trying to do here with simple passive cash flow banking. Not that we're, we want to maximize the paid up additions, typically going much better than a 50-50 premium split. Uh, that's less insurance premiums and fees for us, but that's better for the client at the end of the day. So they can keep most of that cash value, but that's typically what's wrong with most normal whole life insurance. And I think this is why Dave Ramsey, all these online gurus kind of actually demonize this stuff. And I, I would too, if you're doing like a 50-50 premium split and a lot of this is going to your base premium, this is where most of the commissions are being calculated. This is an extreme example that 1090 premium split. In some cases, some of the people in the family office group have found that the 70-30 premium split is actually better. That's what I actually use. And this is just more of the extreme about example where you're still complying with those MEC limits. So you're getting the tax-free treatment, but you're stuffing as much money into the cash value and you're minimizing your fees on this side. One one unique way that someone explained it to me as far as understanding the premium PUA relationship was relating it to your house. The base premium is like your mortgage. So that's an expense or a cost that you have to for your house by slowly paying down the principal. So base premiums does add a small amount to cash value, just like how paying down your mortgage slowly um, pays down the principal. You can think of your paid up additions as if you were to do a renovation where you you spend $50,000 to renovate the kitchen. That $50,000 spent on the kitchen basically increase the value of your house, hopefully, you know, almost exactly the same or even more. So that's the home relationship as far as the base premium paid up additions to mortgage and a renovation. Again, different ways to understand this. And to me personally, it really took me about a year and a half to really grasp this whole and the differences between typical whole life insurance, configuring it in a way and using it in a way that the wealthy do. Um, For some of you guys use that strategy where you're taking a HELOC out on your mortgage and paying down your mortgage with simple interest versus amortized interest, it operates in a very similar way. And and in fact, when you're using a whole life overfunded or infinite banking or whatever you want to call it, simple passive cashing method, it is superior to using a HELOC in my opinion. And I actually think that this is a lot better than using a 529 plan for your co- kids' college savings too. How do, how do you access the, the cash value within your policy? So that's in the form of a policy loan. With the low interest rates, there are other ways also of accessing the cash value of basically collateralizing your cash value through a traditional. That is also an option. But for here, specifically how a policy loan, this is a a loan you're taking through the insurance company. You're basically utilizing your cash value that you have in there 
you're usually able to take about 95% of that cash value in the form of a policy loan. Your cash value actually stays there in the account, but your death benefit is collateralized from the insurance company. They're basically able to give you the loan because they know at some point, if you pass away and you don't pay back the loan, they'll basically just decrease it from the death benefit of your policy. So whenever you take out a loan, there's an interest charge to it. However, there's no payment or set payment plan. You are in control. You can choose to pay it back or not. Very similar to a HELOC. They're very similar. And to tie it in with the other slide up here, this is the cash value, right? We're stuffing money into the cash value. And this is what we're taking the loans out of to put into deals. If you want to buy jet skis at some point, you can, you can use the money for that. You don't have to ask the bank or tell the bank what those annoying questions that the HELOC application always has. You're in control. And some of the people in the family office group are going to another bank and collateralizing this cash value policy and getting anywhere from low 3% interest rates. And for some of you guys who are good business operators who drive your adjusted gross income very low, at the same time, screwing yourself by not being able to get a loan for a home, this is the great way you buy the home cash but you dip out of your cash value of your life insurance policy to essentially put debt and get your leverage up, which is always a good thing if you can pay your debt service. That's just one of the myriad of different ways that we'll go into more detail. We'll ask individual questions on the uh, the webinar up next week. But this is if you're seeing how the wealthy are doing things. It gives them a lot of options and it's something that they control and they bank from themselves. And this slide was basically just go over an example. If you were to take out a loan to invest in real estate, you can create some sort of arbitrage, use a, the cash flow from your investment, to also cover your debt servicing for the policy loan. And as Lane mentioned, one of the one of the big benefits is that the policy loan interest is calculated as simple interest. The cash value continues to grow in your policy, but it's compounding interest or compounding dividends you're receiving. Uh, a quick policy example. So this is for a 50-year-old male. And when you're looking at this, the target amount that this individual would want to put in is 50,000 per year. So you'll see that. And then the breakdown of the that amount is pretty much a 10-90 split. So the base premium is here. The 45-45 is what is required annually. And that's 10 that'll cover the base premium. And the for about the 44,000 or 45,000 of PUAs is truly unscheduled where you're able to stuff that in throughout the year. Here shows it where you're funding it for seven years. And you are, after that seven years, we're basically doing what you call a reduced paid up option. So you're eliminating any additional premiums needed from there on out. And then you're just letting the cash value and the dividends grow throughout the year. On this specific policy, even as of 50-year-old, you're breaking even at around year five in cash value between years four and five. And you... From year one, you'll have you know, liquidity or your cash value um, is about 88% or so of what you've contributed. So you still have, you lose some liquidity up front and that's the cost. That's the main cost of starting these policies. But from then on, it truly feels like a deposit where that 50000 you're putting in every year 
your policy cash value is growing by larger than 50,000 from year two on. And this is, I think this is where people get very confused, right? Because the difficult part of this industry is an insurance agent can ratchet up and take whatever fees they want, like a home loan, but worse. So the, the way to shop this stuff around is to figure out what Tyler is saying, that break-even point, when that is. That's a, a quick and dirty way of comparing policies. And Tyler's always does that for our folks. We always beat them anyway, but that's a quick and dirty way of comparing the policies that you have now. Of course, there's some different nuances with certain kind of exclusion, the different types of more flexibility, you know, one year being able to pay your rider, the other year taking off, those types of things that we'll get into more detail in the e-course and the webinar. But for the most part, that's, you know, if you just learn one thing from this little webinar. A question we also get often is what the policy loan rates. The Normally, most insurance companies, for their variable interest rates, it's based on the Moody AAA corporate bond index. Granted, we're in this, this super low interest environment. It's two point something percent, but the company also has their floor, their limits as far as how low their policy loans will go. Most of them are all at the company policy floors, which is hovering around four and a half or five percent as far as their variable interest rates. The company declares these rates annually and becomes effective on your policy anniversary date. It's, that policy anniversary date may be different for everyone, yet the, the company does declare it annually. And the good news with it, if your in, variable interest rate can't increase by more than 0.5% every year, but it can go down. It has no limit on going down. But keep in mind that the, the corporate bond index, that, that, that doesn't fluctuate like what normal interest rates fluctuate. So it is a slow moving number, but there, there is some safeguards in there where you're not get blindsided by this large increase in policy loan rates. We have a lot of FAQs that we'll talk about in the e-course. Here's some of them. The difference between whole life and term life. I'll talk about when you use one or the other. We also discuss IUL. You know, people always have that question. Um, and that's what we do. Everything is, a lot of this is, is products, but when is the product right for you? I honestly don't care which one you use. It, it's but I care when it's the right one. And I'm the person to say, when do you do term? When do you do whole life and the such? We're going to talk a little bit about, there's a lot of rogue insurance companies that have really like loose standards. It doesn't make sense when you actually are with a company, you want to be with a secure company. We'll talk more about that. Small insurance companies versus large insurance companies. Talk a little bit about different ages, who to get the policies on. A lot of business owners out there. This is definitely something to think about when getting in on key employees. This is what all like the big boys like Walmart talk a little bit about taxes. And uh, again, all this is in the e-course, which you guys can get access to at simplepassacashflow.com slash banking. And uh, we'll talk about this on the, uh, the webinar when we go into the cram school format, we go into this stuff in much more details. Here's the big picture. And hollers, uh, you never seen this slide. I made this yesterday. This is the roadmap here. Step one, put a hundred grand in. I'm not saying you got to do that, right? We help you figure out what's the comfortable level for you to start. When I first started doing this a few years back, I did that $50,000 a year for six years. Today, I'm doing a much larger one. And I always, you know, tell people to start off small and probably it makes more sense for the agent to have you do a bigger policy than you're comfortable with so that you can teach and collect his commissions. That's not where we're about here. We want to set people up. You stuff a hundred grand in there in this scenario or, or 10 grand or whatever you want. Step two, you start to establish a banking from yourself system and you 
are able to take a big loan from that cash portion. We'll talk more about in detail on the next in the e-courses. And in the beginning is when it's the cash value loan is going to be the lease. You're going to be able to take the lease out in the beginning. But as time goes by, year two, by year three, you get typically 90% of what you put in. And year four, five, six, it's essentially everything. Again, the fees are front loaded into this stuff. But in the first year, just using that as an example, as being the worst case scenario, and you take that 85 grand on your original 100 grand, you stick it in a deal and you make more money that way. Step three here, you're leveraging money in two different places. Step four is once you've act, once you've invested the money into a deal or you're, you're producing income there, which is paying back the loan, right? Just if you would have taken the money out of your HELOC, out of your house and invested in deals and use that money to pay back. Or what a lot of people just simply do is they just take a little bit extra and put it on the side so that they know they can make their debt payments for the next year or two. That's just more of a mindset security thing. Like Tyler says, there's a lot of flexibility in paying back these life insurance policies. We'll talk about worst case scenario, which isn't that bad. Not paying back your principal, not paying back yourself. It's not the end of the world. It, it takes a lot for the policies to decay, cannibalize itself is the term that we use. And we'll talk about exactly when that happens. When you're cu customizing the amount of your policy, those are the things that you need to have in the back of your head to be able to meet your commitments. And then now step five here, you have your income generating assets paid back the loans or the policy. Or like I said, just keep that stockpile on the side and just pay it back when you want. That's what I do. I'll take a loan out. I'll go into a deal. I'll take a loan out and I may not pay it back for six months or a couple of years. I just, whenever I get a lot of money or when the deals exit, like we just had a deal exit a little while ago. Tyler was in that one. But that's what we did. We take that money, we put it back into the cash. And that's how we use these policies. There's really no real motivation to really pay back the policy because it's ours. Life happens here, a little cone I put here. Say you have unexpected expense, loss of job, college savings. Use this cash value as your emergency savings account. While it's making yield, maybe a nice four or five percent, but it's making it tax in actuality, you could probably argue that it's making five, six, seven percent potentially, or even eight percent for some of you high income earners out there. Step six is grows over time. And then you start to get a handle of how to use this account, right? Like I've gotten a handle of how to use it. I take it out. I put it into deals. When the deals cash out, I put it in here, but then I go into two more deals in the time being. It becomes a very fluid kind of state. And it's very similar to you guys who've gotten really accustomed to managing your passive activity losses on your taxes to offsetting your capital gains and depreciates recaptures on deal exits. And then, uh, Step seven, all this time, you're enjoying the benefits of asset protection. And at the same time, if we always joke, I died or Tyler died, our wives are going to be sad, but they're going to be set. I always ask, what would you do if you had X amount of money if I died? She just tells me to go play on my computer again. But yeah, you're setting them up. And it, we're technically not doing this for death payout, but that's some of the, also the benefits too. And if Tyler, is there any kind of other, you also get assisted living benefits, there's disability, there's all these types of things that can be put in there too. Definitely. I think the biggest thing is truly the flexibility, the flexibility of funding, the flexibility of what you can use it for. You are in control. Personally, this has replaced the 529, a long-term care plan, all of those other things that I would normally contribute to where it locks in money or even yeah, my retirement plan. All of these will, would cover that. You'll be able to contribute it grows 
we like to call this the and asset where you're doing this in addition to what you were doing already. You don't have to choose between a policy or a syndication deal. You do the policy and you do the syndication there later. So you're just enhancing what you were going to do already. But truly the flexibility, if it's properly designed, allows you to choose what you're going to do with this and allows you to set it up to benefit yourself while you're living along with legacy planning for your beneficiary. And in the e-course, we'll outline all the advanced strategies, what people typically will do. They'll dump in a bunch of money the first year, sometimes based on where your birthday is, what part of the year it is. You can backdate and double this amount and get a really jump start on it. And then these guys are dumping money in there quick so they can quickly put it into the next deal. It usually takes another like a week or two to get this stuff really ramped, get all the banking relationships, direct deposits all set up. And once it's all set up, it's as simple as calling up the life insurance company or just going into their online portal, sending the direct deposit to your account. Then you wire off your funds as you sign your PPMs and other syndications. You're set making money two places. And then that's where we get to at the end, step eight, you stop worrying how to grow your wealth because you're optimized. What's the passive cash flow is? It's not that hard. What we outlined here is exactly what the wealthy do, but it's a little bit of a twist, right? We're using the same technology, the same product that is whole life insurance, but we're configuring in a very special way that benefits what exactly what we do. If you guys are real estate investors or you invest in other types of deals, this is your jam, guys. This is exactly what you guys need to be doing to augment and make money in both places and get the asset protection. But even if you, you're not real estate investing, like Tyler said, for a lot of people, this replaces the 529 plan or any long-term type of you know insurance options or just a place where you just get cash flow building up. It's a lot better than in your bank and it's something that you control. But anything else I think I missed out, Tyler? No, we'll go over a lot more in details and answer specific questions during the e-course. Make sure you guys sign up here. If you guys are listening to this video after 2021, uh, just check out this website here, get signed up for the free e-course. And uh, if you guys have any questions, contact information was up here earlier. We always tell people get educated and then we can help you guys out, whether it's taking a look at your current policies or getting you set up with fresh new ones get this infinite banking set up for you so you're set up thanks for listening guys and we'll see you guys next time this website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes every investor situation is unique always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.